I look at things from a whole different perspective. And for instance, any like skill I've ever learned in my life has been like this idea of it's got to be on this grid. It's got to be this, this deliberate plan. If I get Logical. if I'm learning how to play drums, then what's the first book that you start with? You start with stick control because you got to learn how to do these different exercises with your hands, and you got to keep building until you you have a toolbox that's accessible mm-hmm. to you that you could actually be creative with. Like it just didn't make mm-hmm. sense in my mind that I could be creative without knowing how to play the instrument. Where other people mm-hmm. would just pick up a guitar and they'd freaking jam along and sound like shit for a year, but like just never really do any drills or scales or anything like that. And then eventually they learn how to play it. Figure it out. They got to it from a whole different place. Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. All right, Diane, we're live for Creative Pursuits. Episode 33. We chose this topic partially because we were talking about like... Well, I was talking about how I didn't identify myself as a writer, podcaster, music. Like all the things I've done, like I've never identified myself as that per- the person mm-hmm. that does that. Mm-hmm. My comfort wheelhouse of I like sports and I'm more athletic and that's where I'm comfortable. But like artsy stuff, nope, that's not you. There's other people that not are... Not me. Yeah. yeah, there's people that grew up like acting and like being in front of people and get energy from like feed off like public speaking and again, being a musician in front of lots of people, like they want that. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like that's a fate worse than death. <laughs> I don't... Don't put me in front of anybody. Yeah. You know, like when you do that first public speaking of your life where you're like, holy shit. Every eye is on, like the judgment mm-hmm. is oh, I've been it's there. overwhelming. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. And so I was telling you, so best friend of mine from when I was in college, roommate, great guy, little shout out to him, Dean. He died two nights ago. And it brought up like I went through like a giant box of pictures and just memories and just all these mm-hmm. funny like just for one of the class I took with Dean in Potsdam was public speaking. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I took it. I think I might have had to have to. I think it was a prerequisite maybe for something. I wasn't a psych major at that point. Okay. I was just a liberal arts guy. For whatever reason, I took public speaking and again horrified like a hundred people in a lecture hall. First day, you know, class. The you know the professor is basically saying you have seven speeches to do this semester, and we're going to you know start working on each one of them. And I remember one in particular. It was the first one because I remember the first one was the worst. That always is. Yeah, (laughs) and I I think they tried to ease you into it by not putting you in front of the lecture hall. Right. They just said sit where you're. You know, 
<laughs> right where you're sitting. Yeah. You stay in your seat and just, you know, basically oh. give your speech from there. Yeah. And I start giving the speech and it's just from the get-go, I'm stuttering. I'm like shaking. I'm physically shaking. I'm so nervous. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I, I, my whole body's just vibrating. Like mm-hmm. it's just no comfort level whatsoever. And Dean, my buddy, is right next to me and he's scribbling on a pad, a plane <laughs> as it's going down. And he's just, and he's looking at me and I'm, I'm he's, he's making me even more nervous. And then he starts doing that, that whistle like that. I'm like, oh my God. And then finally, like, I don't know what happened with the speech, but it just went completely off the rails. I was off topic. I just kind of stopped. And then yeah. he just wrote at the bottom, he said, you're dead. <laughs> like, and the, the plane crashed and you're dead. I'm like, oh my God. Was, like, I look back on it. It's so funny. Like now thinking about it, I was horrified in that moment. Yeah. Mortified. Like... Yeah, I, it couldn't have been any more embarrassment. I never felt that level of embarrassment before. Yeah. So anyway. But you did was, it. And we talked about yeah. that you and I have both had the experience of doing things that challenge us that we didn't believe that we could really do. And yet on the other side, looking back, it's like, no, I just did that. Yeah. Huh. Look at that. Hmm. Yeah. And the sense of accomplishment and slow progression though. Not like, you know, you did one thing and you're like, Oh, well I could pretty much do everything now. <laughs> it's more like, <laughs> I mean, seven speeches later for me, yeah, it was at least instilled in me at that point that I was like, Oh, all right, well I can do other things are going to be scary, but I can still do them. Right. You know, that transformed into an act. Like it mitigates the terror. Yeah, like you can play it back. Like, all right, I did that at least. I can do this. Mm-hmm. That's another weird thing. So I, off topic a little bit, but I, I signed up for a friend that I do like adventurous kind of things with. And I'm flying out to Yosemite August 20th to hike Half Dome. Yeah. So we did our first training hike yesterday. We go to Crowder's Mountain here in Gastonia. Yeah, how'd that go? It was a little scary, actually. I have to say, like, because he's always pushing the envelope. So we, of course, we yeah. took the steepest trail. That's so you fine. Were drinking beer on the trail? No beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no beer. Drenched in sweat. It's only like 80, 85 degrees. But, 80 something degrees. But hundred percent humidity. You know. Yeah. Soaked. So we get to the top, and it's like this big rock outcrop, mm-hmm. and he starts going off trail and just kind of climbing on the rocks. Mm. He knows this trail like the back of his hand. He's like, we can go this way and then, you know, we'll finally make our way back to the main trail. And we were on these places that were like exposed. Like, I mean, I put my foot up on this rock. I look over. <laughs> it's like dead. Oh, dear God. No. Yeah. Like my fear. You're triggering my fear. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. He was kind of testing. He's like, this is the kind of stuff we're going to be doing at the Half Dome. So you want oh, to try God. to get comfortable. And I'm like, you know, he's like just stepping across him. I'm on like my hands and knees. I've done it before though. So I've done these kinds of things before. And I remember thinking the last time I did this, all you have to do is look at your feet, concentrate on your feet, like where your feet are going. Do not look over, do not look anywhere else. Where you're focusing. Yes. And it really worked. Totally kept up with him. I mean, close, not exactly, but because I've been watching the videos of this half dome hike. Yeah. And I'm watching these people like literally climb these cables up this sheer granite face. And you need to not show me any pictures uh, of your trip. <laughs> you know, they got these like 4K videos, and my, literally my palms oh, are dripping in I sweat. Can't. Yeah. I can't even. 
But again, like, so it was a progression though. Like I never did adventure type of stuff, but I could, I could literally trace it all back to that public speaking class. Like, Mm -hmm. cause I'm not an adventure guy. I've never done any adventure. And then 10 years ago, my friend Dan, who I'm doing this trip with, he's like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you want to go to Zion national park? And we'll hike through the narrows. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, let's try it. I have no clue what I'm doing. I don't know what gear. I don't know anything. Like water yeah. filtration systems, nothing. I don't even know. I don't have hiking boots. I don't go hiking. And that just, it just became a progression. We started doing adventure races together. We started doing some... Well, and you and I talked about that you and I have very different creative styles. Mm-hmm. And we're both very creative. Yes. Even though we both have denied it for a very long time. Yeah. That there's value in both of them. Like you tend to be more you call it grid-like. Mm-hmm. You want to know the plan. You want to see the plan of action. And then I just tend to just jump. Yes. Which horrifies me. Yeah. But I just do. I just go. I'm like, nope, this is a passion of mine. I'm going with this. It's messier in my way, maybe. But it's jumping with, without seeing the net. Yeah. That terrifies me. Because I would like to see the net. I would like to know that I'm going to be caught. I would like to know that my book is going to be read by people. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're starting something new, but you have a history of writing and like, so it's not like it's a, well, this is brand new. Yeah, but it's, I have a 41 year history with, well, yeah. It wasn't until I was 39 that I was like, wait, oh, I'm a writer. Oh, yeah. Look at that. But I always wonder, like, in a different pursuit for you. So, the yeah. writing something you do now. What's the th- what's something that you don't do that you would do? Like- I've done public speaking. Okay. I have shared my my per- very personal stories publicly. You remember the first time? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was May twenty seventeen. Oh, that's not too long ago. Okay. No, it's three years ago. And even that morning, I had the thought. I'm like, I wonder if I could get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> And I knew the answer was no, because I'd signed up to do it. And I I had people coming up to me and sharing their stories. Mm-hmm. And that really drove it home to me as to how meaningful it is for me to speak up and share my truth and mm-hmm. what I have been through. Because it extends permission for other people to share their stories. Yeah. And that is like, if one person is impacted, then that's enough. Yeah. That's enough reason for me to stand up and do it. Yeah. So I spoke. So you basically, you're breaking the stigma for someone else. I think that's a great thing to do. Well, I'm shattering the silence about divorce. And so those first stories were definitely my journey through and beyond divorce. And my divorce had only been final for like two months at that point. Yeah. And people were shocked. They're like, wait, that just happened? I'm like, oh, yeah. You're you're giving them permission to speak about things they thought before you were speaking that we don't speak about these things. We don't talk about that shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we don't talk about divorce. We don't talk Mm -hmm. about being happily divorced. We don't talk about... Mental health. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) You don't talk about... And especially if you're a guy, you don't talk about mental health. You don't talk about emotions and... Yeah. And the dark. Oh my God. There was a lot of darkness through that journey. And that's what my first memoir is. It's everything I wish I could tell myself. So five years ago, I was 
deeply unhappy. Mm-hmm. I was miserable. I didn't want to come home. Yeah. And so I have so much deep appreciation five years later for how different my life is today. And I wish I could tell myself five years ago how good life could get. Yeah. There's so many people out there and men, women, it doesn't matter. When you're in the darkness, you can't see the light. You can't see the potential and you can't see... (sighs) Yeah. Well, that's what makes it darkness, right? I mean, that's... I always tell people when it comes to like the markets... Mm-hmm. So they'll ask me like, well, what should I do? Like everything's down. Things are getting worse. I'm feeling really panicky right now. I'm like, well, you're supposed to feel panicky right now. That's the right. whole point is that we're in a panic. Right. <laughs> so you, so part of that panic is you panicking. Like that's the whole idea. Mm-mm. Now, do you act based on that panic? No. But it's like a weird point to make. Because they're questioning like, what should I do? I feel like this. And I'm like, you're supposed to feel... If you didn't feel like that, I'd have big worries about what's wrong with you. You're a sociopath. You don't have any worries about losing right. on paper in a short period of time a lot of money. Yeah. So it's supposed to be... And you're supposed to feel that way. And so I always think about that. Not that it makes it easier. Again, it's still freaking hard. When you're in the middle of it, you're like, you're panicking too. Mm-hmm. But I kind of remember, I'm like, this is the way I'm supposed to feel. This is normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, we're coming back to like the creative pursuits of how you... Yeah. You come from it like you're not a purist as far as like an artist purist where you're not going to practice stuff. You're just going to literally jump into it all the time. And the mm-hmm. skills will come along as you go along. You're a mixture of the two. I'll as I go. Yeah. You got a little bit of the two. So you'll go to like workshops. So I, yeah, as I was telling you, I I tend to blend both sides of it. Like I am a planner and a scheduler, but I also am one to jump in and allow myself and my creativity to just flow. Mm -hmm. It's just so publishing my first memoir, I'm self publishing it. And it's been a really interesting journey. Like I could actually write a book about the journey of self-publishing. Yeah. I had no concept how highly collaborative writing is. So it's not simply me doing it by myself, even self-publishing. Well, you said there's two parts of it. So there's a part that you do solo. I mean, obviously the writing process most... Yeah. When it comes to editing, when it comes to publishing... I've hired an editor. I've hired a graphic designer. I've hired my formatting editor. Yeah, because there's only so far you can go on your own, right? I mean, it's like you need the help of other people. I don't want to know how to format a damn book. Mm-mm. I'm like, can you take it? Yeah. But part of that process is tedious. I mean, so when we're talking about creative pursuits, like... Fuck! Uh, a lot of it. <laughs> a lot of it is. Oh, my God. Because like you said, it's just like going through fine tooth comb, fine tooth comb. And yeah. So and that's... Like, yeah. So I think when we talk creative pursuits, we automatically think that it's just... It's all, all fun. It's all and fun. Games. And you're just What's expressing that? yourself and you're just... <laughs> releasing and like you're in this creative flow and you know you're seeing like rainbows and puppies and yeah you want to stab the damn walls yeah i mean it works the same for like musicians they literally like spend like days upon days upon days going over the same track because Uh they're not getting it the way Uh they want to get it and it's like Uh oh i've done this track 50 times yep and you just keep doing it it's not fun 
It's not fun. That that part is not fun. Well, and there's this myth, I think, of I don't know if myth is the right word, but there's this ideology of like the writer is just happily ensconced in their own little office, just off with their laptops. <laughs> People, that's not how it works. Yeah. Like this damn first book, it started four years ago. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, if this weren't a passion of mine to share my story and to speak my truth, I would have let this drop a very long time ago because I wouldn't have continued through the messiness. It started out really fun about a year ago, and then Mm -hmm. it quickly turned not fun at all. Yeah. So if it were not a deep, intrinsic passion of mine, I would have let this go a very long time ago. And I think that when you're engaged in a creative pursuit, I think that passion is a non-negotiable ingredient. And I think for you with the podcast and this blog, that same thing is true because it is a passion of yours to communicate Mm -hmm. and tell your story and to have these conversations that are so important and so meaningful. Like no one else is having these conversations that you and I are having. Mm -hmm. Like who else is talking about this shit? (laughs) (laughs) No, it needs to be talked about. I mean, a lot of the stuff is just, how does it take anybody? I mean, people go their whole lives wanting to write a book. Mm-hmm. Wanting to play oh it. Oh my god! So wanting what's the to do quote? Something. There's a quote by Wayne Dyer: "Don't die with the music still inside of you." It was "Don't die with the music still in you." Yeah, 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 yeah. With, with with your music still in you. Yeah. So it's like most people don't do it. And it took me a long time to do a lot of these things. But like once you do one, you it get some momentum. And yeah, and then you're yeah. like, "What about that thing?" Okay, I could do that. I've yeah. done this thing, so I could do that thing. Well, we started with the blog, and then they're like. Let's do a podcast. I always want to do a podcast. Yeah. So let's do a podcast. Yeah. The two different styles. So we were first talking about like your style is like more of a, you're an artist. I'm jumping into it. Right. I'm not doing these writing drills. I'm not going to sit there for two hours doing something where. I mean, I do some of that. So there's actually a strong literary community in Charlotte. Yeah. Well, for my story moving forward, there's two hypothetical people. There's one person okay. <laughs> that's, that's the artist. Where are we we're going to call you the artists. Like you're the purest. Like basically, you're not going to do anything to improve your writing. You know how uncomfortable that makes me. And you're going to write when you feel inspired. <laughs> and it's all going to be about this inspiration generating. Well, well, yeah. The skill just comes along yeah. that path. You're not doing anything deliberately to, to build skill. Mm-hmm. You're just so enveloped in the actual creative process. In the process. Okay. It's more of this passionate kind of, I always think of it again, like hippie kind of artist. Wow, just like, call me a hippie. Star- <laughs> You're definitely not that. <laughs> like starving yeah. artist. Like I'll do this no matter what. And then I look at it like... Hold on right there. No, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to get paid. <laughs> Right, right. But it's, again, like you said, like writers have to write. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I look at things from a whole different perspective. And for instance, any like skill I've ever learned in my life has been like this idea of it's got to be on this grid. It's got to be this this deliberate plan. If if I'm learning how to play drums, then what's the first book that you start with? You start with stick control because you got to learn how to do these different exercises with your hands and you got to keep building until you... 
you have a toolbox that's accessible mm-hmm. to you that you could actually be creative with. Like it just didn't make mm-hmm. sense in my mind that I could be creative without knowing how to play the instrument. Where other people mm-hmm. would just pick up a guitar and they'd freaking jam along and sound like shit for a year, but like just never really do any drills or scales or anything like that. And then eventually they learn how to play it. Figure it out. They got to it from a whole different place. Yeah. And I don't think one way is right or one way is wrong. No. But I was very like, I was always very curious, like of the people that just could. Most of the people I saw that were musicians were people that were the opposite of me. They didn't do drills. They didn't do scales. They didn't take lessons. Self-taught. They just played all the time because they were inspired mm-hmm. to play. And then years and years later, their skills were freaking great. Just as good as a lot of people that were professionally trained. By the book. By the book. You're such a rule follower. You think? <laughs> like, <laughs> damn rule <laughs> I think it's more of a fear thing. For me, it's like, I want a skill level. Think about it from a professional fighter standpoint. I don't care how creative you are as a fighter. You do not want to be in a fight with somebody that has 10 years of experience fighting because they have a certain skill level. So they have this toolbox of things that they can do to you that they're going to F you up. And I totally look at fighting or like wrestling and all kinds of athletic endeavors as artistic forms. They're creative pursuits. Yeah. I guess when you're an artist or like when you're writing, there's not like physical trauma on the line. It's a different kind of thing. Yeah, the words don't cut. Although I can cut with some words. (laughs) (laughs) Quote I shared. Right, you're not getting a bloody nose from writing. Like writers are snipers armed with words. It's very true. But I always think both ends of the spectrum can benefit from each other's a little bit. So like the person that's solely, I'm all about art. I don't want to do anything to build skill level. I don't need any drills. I don't need any teachers. I don't need any of that. Like a little bit of that might help you actually. Like you get a different perspective. I think there's a way to blend both perspectives mm. and make it work for what, however it works for you. Yeah. And you're going to have to find your own style. And it's taken me 41 fucking years yeah. to acknowledge the fact that I'm a writer. And every, I have people around me go, and it's about damn time. Yeah. And so we talked about how other people will pick up on gifts and talents that are innate to us that we can't do. Yeah. Like I had people once I started embracing the fact that no, I'm a writer. And everyone around me is going, well, I'm glad you finally realized that. Yeah. <laughs> but so other people a lot of times, and it's that objective perspective, that's why I hired a book editor, is I'm like, I need somebody other than me to look at this. Yeah. You know, the other people's perspectives can be really powerful. Asking the people closest to me, what do you see as my greatest strengths? Mm -hmm. It can be a really enlightening question because I was blind to them. It's just interesting sometimes when you open yourself and allow other people's perspectives. Don't you think it's part of not giving yourself credit? Yeah. Like you just the like you're always I'm always kind of like lowering myself down. Like don't you know be very humble about be humble. Yeah, mm-hmm. but to a point where it's it's detrimental. You're not giving yourself any credit. The bass player in my band was like Al. Like you like really progressed a long way because I was playing every day for a long time, and I was just like mm-hmm. it was so hard to hear. Like I was like I don't even want to hear. No, I'm not even. I'm not there. I'm stop telling me that. You know, I'm not there. I got so much. 
so long to go to be where like I want to be. And but again, mm-hmm. where where's that? Where do you want to be? So it's always like this kind of not giving yourself credits. Like you didn't want to say that. And, and it goes back to identifying, like, how do you identify yourself? Like, I didn't identify myself as a musician. I didn't identify myself as a writer. Mm-hmm. But it's getting easier. So like when we do this podcast, I would never in a million years ever have thought I would do a podcast. But to me, I'm like, I could do a podcast. I've done all, I've done all these other things. Yeah. I'm like, but it's a building process, right? And this is yeah. the thing, the other it's came So when you think of these like Oh, it's going to, on a different tangent, but the kids that like are so coddled and that don't do anything and that never take a risk and are just literally like in their shell and then they get thrown out into mm-hmm. the real world, like they don't have the tools or the faculties to basically get, you know, do anything with their lives because they've never done anything. There's nothing, you got to build right. something. Resiliency. Yeah. And it comes, you know, it goes for exercise, it goes for writing, it goes for any creative pursuits. It's a building process. It goes for life in general. Like, you know what? How many challenging life experiences have you navigated? Yeah. I've done my damn share. Like, that's for fucking sure. I I think of the stereotypical, like, quote unquote, millennial that's like pounding on the table. Like, why won't somebody pay me a hundred grand a year at age 22? And I only want to work 10 hours a week. And just being like this person that's just banging and having like a tantrum. Entitled fucking. Yeah. Yeah. I always think of that kind of person. I'm like, (laughs) that sucks, but I feel bad for them. That seems horrible. And to be fair, actually, I have clients that are millennials. I don't know why I keep saying millennials. I don't even know the age group anymore. I'm so far removed from... It's like 20s to 30. I'm right on yeah, the Yeah, it's edge, like up to 39, so I think. So, yeah. Whatever, like so 18 years. Yeah. Yeah, but I also, I actually know millennials who are in their 20s. Like to have a conversation yeah. with them, they are such old souls. You would never guess the depth that they can go to because you know me. We're going deep. We're not standing superficial. And I actually, I, I know several who are in their like mid twenties. Oh yeah. Who to talk with them, I'm like, oh my God, you're really inspiring. Yeah, these are general these are definitely generalizations. There's they're generalized yeah. perceptions. However, there are quite a lot of people who are in that age group who are interesting to be. And we talked about it on the last episode too. We talked about how we were like kind of the last generation of kids that were allowed to just run outside your front door and yeah. then just come back at dinner. You know, yeah, I don't care what we you're were doing. Chewing just... on the freaking lead-based paint on the yeah. fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like stepping I on mean, rusty nails and that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seat belts, what seatbelts? Yeah. yeah, enough seatbelts. <laughs> yeah. And parents smoking in the car with the windows shut, you know. Uh-huh. And it's like that, it builds something. And I feel like when a kid doesn't have, not that they need to have that, but like in a different context, <laughs> if they're sitting in their room and they're in their bed and they're like on and their iPad insulated. all day long, yeah. and they've never had any kind of challenge where they can like build off of it, where they could say, oh, I did something that's uncomfortable. Oh, all right. I could do something else that's uncomfortable. Oh, I could do, oh, I could keep building off of that. Or even as we've talked about with Glennon Doyle's examples, like witnessing parents navigating. Difficult life experiences. I've watched my parents, my own parents navigate grief. And that was really helpful. I mean, because they got through it and it wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. And so it's as a parent, and not that I'm a parent, but 
as a parent, what are you modeling for your children? Yeah. How are you navigating life experiences? Are you expecting everything to be soft and just go your own way? Like, dude, shit happens. Fucking roadblocks get thrown up. Like, it's not always going to be happen. fun. It's <laughs> trauma happen. Like, <laughs> life happens. Yeah. You know, it's a choice as to how you navigate through and beyond that. And I had people tell me that people seem genuinely surprised. They're like, what are you doing back out? I'm like, what was I just supposed to like curl up and be under the covers forever? I don't What are you know. doing back out? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, what are you doing here? I'm attending a business event. Like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm not going to yeah. stop showing up for my life. Because, because when this happens, this is what you're supposed to do. Well, and that's what people assume. You, if you have a trauma. And that was never, yeah. like, it was never even an option for me. And people seem surprised by that. It's mm. a weird comment. To, I, I can't imagine saying that to someone that went through a trauma. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Why aren't you crawled oh. up in an attic somewhere? Yeah. Why aren't you at home? I'm like... Crazy. I want to be here. <laughs> yeah. These creative pursuits are like, they're like the perfect like um, training grounds, I think, for like all life experience. Mm. Right? I mean, in some ways, like when yeah. you talk about writing, and I've heard this yeah. from you, but from so many other people, like, like writing a book is like just brutal. Like nobody says like, oh, I was a piece of cake. I wrote a book and it's brutal. No, it's fucking awful. Like, yeah. Let me just tell you. You're not ready for it for the road ahead. It's like the perception like up front is so different than the reality. And then same thing goes for, I always think of actors. So I think of like actors that, so you see them on a TV show, Mm -hmm. you're like, that'd be so amazing. They're so funny. They're having such a great, they're having such a great time. You didn't see the hundred auditions. They freaking went and like people were rejecting them and they're like, you know. You don't get the backstory. Yeah, you, you don't see like, like you're not getting the blood, sweat, and tears aspect. Yeah, you, you of don't it. see the car yeah. driving by, like slamming into a puddle and covers them right before their audition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't see the dirt. You just see the glamour, like you see the finished product. You don't see me up at two a.m. You just see the book cover with you smiling, right? You know, <laughs> <laughs> the cover is not going to have no, my face. Good. On. I guess my face will be on. The All right, back of do it. a little one in the back. The creative pursuits is. It's a long range game is the best way I can explain it. It's not a quick fix. It is not easy, but it's worth it. Well, I think it was James Hollis said, he said the passion, like the, I think the definition of passion is like enduring pain. <laughs> I won't be accurate. It's enduring pain. Like, Right? Because like passion, you always think of like, oh, it's your passion. It's amazing. And it is like you have to do things. You have to do it. You're drawn to do it. But it's also you're enduring something and it's painful at points. It is. So it's not there's easy. a quote that actually I'll bring up the book by Charles Strade, which I highly recommend. It's called Wild. It was actually made into a movie oh, yeah. with Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. So there's a quote from one of Cheryl's other books and she talks about your book has a birthday. You just don't know what it is yet. And I read that mm. and I went, oh, <laughs> yeah. And it's that process that isn't easy. Creative expressions are 
a form of birthing things that our culture doesn't yeah. really necessarily publicize. But every writer that I know has experienced that. We haven't really touched too much on the importance of it, like the importance of pursuing those things, pursuing these creative outlets. Because if you do, what's the alternative? The alternative is that you you never express it, right? It's twofold because it's also like it's yeah. releasing for you. It's definitely a purging. It's definitely something that's mm-hmm. therapeutic for you. But it's so helpful to other people too. Because now they're hearing something that you're vulnerable about and then it's breaking Highly down. vulnerable. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, she's allowed to do that. Maybe I'm allowed to do that. Or, oh, she's feeling the same way I feel. Sending or, permission. There's so many different aspects to it, which are so cool about creative pursuits. Because whether it's painting... I mean, imagine. Like, you look at a painting. So, <laughs> Elizabeth Gilbert is an author. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love is her most famous memoir. But um, okay. her, she has a book called Big Magic. And I remember I read it and that book slapped me in the face and was like, writing is a creative endeavor. And I went, Oh shit. Cause I had denied and denied and denied and denied and denied for four decades. Ah, so that triggered that that writing is a valid form of creativity. Yeah. Look at that. There's so many things that are creative. Yeah relationships are creative like interactions are creative like every There's like so life many, is yeah, creative. different outlets oh i get really creative with interactions <laughs> yeah like exactly people that ask like weird questions or they're goofy or people are silly like, tell like, me more that to me is creative they can change your mood they can change like your outlook on the day again going back to my buddy mm-hmm. dean who passed away just a couple of days ago the goofiest guy I've ever met. Like, because goofy and like just really belly laughing all the time in my freshman year mm-hmm. of college. Because I'd never met a guy like him before. He was like completely just uninhibited, yeah. you know, and just let it fly. And I'd never met a personality like that. And I was like so drawn mm-hmm. to it. You know, when somebody's just like, I don't give a crap mm-hmm. what you think. I'm just doing whatever I want to do. And I want to make everybody laugh. And no like, filter. Just, no filter. Oh, totally no filter. Yeah. Oh my god! I, I probably would have really liked him. It maybe a little narcissistic yeah, well. too, but I. <laughs> we all, but I was too. We all were. I, I'm putting myself on the same level with him. Back Y'all were from New um, York, and yeah, I I'm very familiar yes. with that. We were actually proud of being narcissistic. I know. We used to call ourselves egomaniacs. Yeah, so, yeah. I know. I yeah. dated several of y'all. <laughs> There's a lot of us out there. There are. <laughs> some of whom are getting divorced, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some multiple times. So, yeah. So we could wrap this creative pursuits up. But um... there is value. There's tremendous value. It's not always easy. And and just let's bust that myth right now. Creativity and the mm-hmm. pursuing and allowing of Creative passions is not easy. No. It's worth it, but it's not easy. And the illusion is that it is and that it's just effortless and things flow. And you hear this word flow talked about. Yes. Look, sometimes I can write and just write and the words come. That is not the norm. 
Well, it's because you're you're always seeing it's the Instagram thing. It's you're always seeing the finished. It's product. a highlight reel. Yeah, you're seeing four years of your life condensed into this book, and then somebody There's, reads it and like, oh my god, how did she put that together so fast? It looks like one stream of thought. Fucking reality <laughs> is that I spent eight fucking months editing this goddamn book. Eight like somebody's going to read your memoir and say, wow, maybe Diane stayed up for three days straight and just wrote the whole thing out and it just came out just like Oh this. my God, look at this. I, oh my God. I mean, how would they know? They're not going to know. Like, they're not going to know that. No, they wouldn't have seen the behind the scenes. And that's why I want to pull back the curtain. And that's why it was totally, important to have this totally. conversation. And this was actually a lighter <laughs> conversation. Than any other one we've ever had. For other <laughs> Don't believe the highlight reel. Don't believe Don't the believe bullshit. The hype. Yeah. It's true. And regardless of what it is. It doesn't matter what it looks like for you. It's not just art. It's like everybody thinks it is just like writing and painting and sculpting and music. It's everything. It's just the way you are in the world. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. You can be creative with how you are in interpersonal relationships. Yeah. It's not just a mental process. It's physical. It's it's cool. It's like everything. You can apply it to anything and have fun with it. And it is fun. And there are aspects of it. It's not to be down or like writing a book is just drudgery. No, there've been aspects that actually have been quite a lot of fun. It's just that I want to dispel the myth that it's been like me in an ivory tower writing this because it's not. Well, it's, it's the idea. You're not going to go from like sitting on a couch to running a marathon. Maybe you'd write a, maybe you write a blog post. Maybe you write a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, your first thing doesn't have to be writing a book. I mean, it's that's how mine started. I've had a blog for actually, it was just my 10 year anniversary with my WordPress blog. They sent me a happy anniversary Mm -hmm. thing. 10 years. Yeah. Wow. You've had a blog Mm -hmm. for 10 years. I have two, actually. Yeah. I didn't even know what a blog was 10 years ago. I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) You damn whippersnappers. All this new technology. (laughs) 2020. I mean, 2010. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So what are we going to talk about next week? <laughs> what do you want to talk about? I kind of want to talk about the difference between people that you're friends with from when you were a child, as opposed to the friends that you have when you've met them like later in life. You're an adult. There's a different connection. There's a different... Um, yes. So I have actually a phrase for that. I call those people chosen family. Mm-hmm. The people that I... We can go into a lot of different directions with that one. Yeah. So a therapist friend of mine had what is my favorite description of how close people are to us in our lives. And she described it as concentric circles. So the close, the people closest to you, that's the smallest circle. And those are the people that get the most access to you. And then the circles yeah. concentrically got bigger and bigger and bigger. But I have what I call chosen family. Do you have friends from childhood that you knew them at such a young age and you've known them all along, but if you met them today as adults, like you'd never be friends with them. Like I have a few like that Uh, where like the bond's just so strong because we've known each other so long. And it's sort of like, not that you don't like these people, but you just don't, yeah, you have nothing in common anymore. But it's like you've just known them so long. It's like I just still stay in touch with them. And then on the flip side of that, like I have friends here that I've met like recently. Mm-hmm. But like you just don't have that bond because like I don't I haven't known you since you were ten years old. I didn't see you like 
uh, this guy knows he's seen all my shit and right. like I've seen all his shit. So I, li- I like that whole concept of like talking about, especially, and the reason why this is coming up, it's because of my friend Dean. Yeah. And it's because all of my college friends have reached out to me. Yeah. Not all of them, but a bunch of them. And we all like reminisced about, I mean, we're, I'm 47. We're talking about when we're 18, 19 years old. Yeah. And just like, it's vivid, crystal clear how much fun we had. Yeah. Like we were such a good team. Everybody's like, just, you know, having nostalgia, right? I mean, that's yeah. basically what, what we've been doing the last couple of days, just talking about old times. Everybody's like posting pictures that they had. I'm like, holy shit, I, I remember that. Yeah. And so I don't know. That, that kind of brought up the whole idea of like old friends. Not that one's better than the other. I just wanted to kind of talk about the difference between the bonds that you have with different people. Your, tra- your chosen family and just those people that know you from when you were a little pimple-faced kid. Hmm. So what do you think? What do you want to title it? Friends? uh, Friends and Chosen Family. Friends and Chosen Family. Bam. There you go. Episode 34. (laughs) (laughs) Friends and Chosen Family. I like it. So FAConfessions.com, you can come follow us. And you can like and subscribe. and Do all the things. Yes, do all the things. We'll be back next week. So see you next week. Have a good week, everyone.